Okay, Hannah. Off the top of your head, how many character names do you remember from this movie? Oh, no. Four. No, uh, five. Blackhand, who's an orc, because he's voiced by Clancy Brown, so it was important for me to understand who that was. Medivh, Lothar, Garona, and Lane, I guess, is the king. So that's five. Wow, that is better than I would have done if I hadn't had to write the outline. (laughs) Uh, To be fair, there were a zillion characters, and I don't remember anybody else's name. I also thought that the guy from Garon Tor was called the Garon Tor. (laughs) He was from Kirin Tor. Okay. (laughs) So see, I'm not doing that great. Why are you here? To save our people. We trust him. They're beasts. They should all be destroyed. You side with the humans against your own kind. This is suicide. We have no choice. We should attack with full force. Whatever you plan to do, do it now! Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, a bad movie podcast. Where today we're talking about Warcraft, starring mostly people you wouldn't know. They're all like B-level actors, where you might recognize them, but you're not gonna... I mean, the biggest names in this movie are Ben Foster, who I will be very impressed if you recognize him just from his name, and Paula Patton, who most people just know from Robin Thicke cheating on her a bunch. Uh, I recognized Dominic Cooper. Oh, Dominic Cooper, that's right. He plays the king. Although, honestly, if if I had not seen on IMDb that it was him, I would not have recognized him for the entire movie. Oh, no, it's definitely like his face was super familiar, but I couldn't yeah. immediately place a name with it. The same is true for some of these people who you would recognize, except that they're playing orcs. Yeah. So Clancy Brown, Daniel Wu, Tony Kebbell even... I would recognize, although you have to have seen a pretty select group of (laughs) movies for that. Yeah. Also, if you've seen the show Vikings. Oh, yeah. Which uh, I have not. Or Calvin Klein ads from a while back. You'll recognize Travis Fimmel, who plays the human military commander. Yeah. Fimmel just sounds like a spice. It does. It's too close to fennel, I guess. And actually, uh, the one, the other person I recognized was Ruth Nega. Oh, yeah. I recognized her name, but I didn't recognize her. Well, I saw the movie Loving that she oh, stars okay. in. I didn't so, see that. So, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. It's also directed by Duncan Jones, who directed Moon. Yeah, which was great. But also he directed Source Code, which wasn't very good. Interestingly, he's David Bowie's son. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of production of this movie is when David Bowie died. And at the beginning of the production of this movie is when Duncan Jones' wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, so... My goodness. Yeah. So, this is a movie... I'm just gonna, like, apologize in advance. This movie is so confusing. And it's made even more confusing by the fact that they apparently think that a conversation longer than 30 seconds isn't worth having. No, it's too boring. So, there isn't really... There aren't many scenes that are above, like, a minute, minute and a half altogether. (laughs) So, uh, I've tried to simplify it by reducing, like, the cutting back and forth, but, like... 
it's just a confusing, even when you do that, it's just a confusing movie. There's way too many characters. Mm -hmm. There's all this stuff that they throw in that never gets resolved. And part of the problem is that there's all these, the reason there's too many characters is because they have three plot lines that two of which never really coincide for most of the movie. Yeah. The orc, what's mm-hmm. happening in the orc camp and what's going on with the humans, like, requires a completely separate cast of characters and very rarely intersect. Yeah. Which makes it way too much for a two-hour movie. It was a lot. Uh, and for the first 15 minutes, like, I felt like we were just being introduced to places. Yes. And there's too many places. Well, there are. I mean, they added in, we'll talk about it, but, like, there was one place that literally, like, you could have cut out of the movie and it would have made no difference. It's, like, it's that nod to, to video game fans. Oh, disclaimer, neither of us have played this video game. Yeah. We don't know anything about it. After I watched the movie, I read the plot you know, plot in quotes, of the first video game, which I didn't realize wasn't World of Warcraft. That's how little I know about this video oh, game yeah. franchise. No, it's, that's not the first one. It's, yeah, as I discovered. That's the first like, one came out in, like, 95. So I'll do my best. But let me just say, we begin with voiceover, of course. <laughs> Good. And the voiceover is by Durotan, our main orc. There has been a war between orcs and humans for as long as can be remembered. But there was once a time when we did not even know who our enemy was. Or what that evil green magic befell had done to us. But in the beginning, how could we have known? I'm already confused. Like, yeah, just that's... after hearing this voiceover. Oh, yeah, I am too. And throughout the movie, I was like, wait, but didn't he say this? I, like, it doesn't really make sense. Right. So part of the problem is he says that there's always been a war between orcs and humans, or for as long as can be remembered. But we begin in, with the orcs in the orc home world where there are no humans. Right. And then when they so, get to the humans world, the humans are like, what are you? We've never heard of orcs before. Right. And so at that time, the enemy wasn't humans, but the fell was around. I so humans he, and the fell just barely overlap. And it's made even more confusing yeah. by the fact that clearly Durotan is talking about a distant future where all of this is ancient history. Yeah, and spoiler alert, he dies at the end of this movie. So, like, right. how how is he like in no at no time in your life was there a long-standing animosity between orcs and humans? Right. But you've now said this. So, I begin the movie thinking that the war between orcs and humans is already an ongoing thing that's, that's always what I been there. That's what I and I think I think probably 98% of people watching this thought that. Especially since in that in that really distant time, they would also theoretically know what the fell had done to them. Unless they've just forgotten about the fell at all. Yeah, but... Because they find that out during this movie. 
they can't have forgotten about the fell. So maybe the information was lost, but they're still using the magic? It's very confusing, and I don't know why you began with this. It's the it's the ambiguous voiceover that's supposed to draw you into the movie. Yeah. But the problem is, I rewatched this, and I still didn't understand the voiceover. No, it just creates... It, it's too confusing uh, in, in and of itself as, like, sentences. But then <laughs> it also just creates false expectations. So yeah. there, there was no reason for it. What is important is that their world is dying. The orc world is dying. Yes. That's the most important part of this voiceover. And also that Dorotan is a clan leader. Yeah. He's the leader of the Frostwolf clan. And he's like the most enlightened orc of all time. So just so you know, good orcs are essentially just humans that look like orcs. Hashtag woke bay. He and his pregnant mate Draka are hanging out in his tent talking about what to name the baby like orcs do. They're not talking about why orcs heads are so small. They are so small compared to their bodies. It's ridiculous. His hand is so much larger than his actual head. Like, not just his face, his whole head. Well, also, I didn't think her pregnant stomach was big enough. It wasn't that big. And, and the baby is too small also when okay, once the baby's born. Because the baby fits in, in the palm of his hand. And, like, if that happens with humans, and it does sometimes, it's a big old problem. Like, how does that even happen? And I think part of the problem is that the orc males are so much bigger than the orc females. But it does, I think, still mean that, for one thing, her stomach should have been bigger. Yeah. She she did not look... I mean, she looked pregnant. But, like, she didn't look pregnant in a way that, like, the baby looked big enough. Like, it... I don't know. She looked like six months pregnant, not nine months, um, or whatever orcs are. Right. It looked like somebody had just strapped a basketball to her stomach and called it pregnant. Like it didn't. It was weird. But yeah, uh, again, like back to their heads, (laughs) which is my biggest problem, possibly with the whole. No, it's not with the whole movie. I'll go into my biggest problem later when we run across it. Imagine if humans were (laughs) built so that your shoulders were larger than your head by like a lot. That's what we're talking about here. And your traps are too big. Nobody needs... What would you even use traps that big for? It's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, I haven't been this upset over giant traps since Guardians of the Galaxy when I was very worried, and turned out correctly so, that Dave Batista's traps were not CGI. This is our first opportunity to see that Durotan is a modern orc. Because he is going to wait to think of a name until he meets his son or daughter. Whoa. He's fine with either one. He needs to know what to put on the tombstone if it's a daughter. (laughs) No, I don't know anything about orcs that... I just really hate that he, like, the only reason we're supposed to like him is because he's just like humans. Like, I'm like, why can't we make an orc? Because one of the things about watching this trailer is I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to see stuff from, like, the orc perspective. That would be amazing. But it turns out the orcs we're supposed to root for, we're only supposed to root for because they're basically humans. Orcs. They're just like us. Yeah. And I was like, no, I would rather have, like, a different culture, but also we can see the value in that because... Yeah. You can have different cultural standards, but still adhere to the same overall values. This was not the case. Right. And talk about lazy. Orcs are just Klingons. Yeah, they like, were that's all they are. They're like, honor this, honor that, physical strength, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That yeah. got boring. Draka wants to go to battle with Durotan, even though she's pretty close to labor. So Durotan, as the responsible husband and father that he is, says, sure, why not? 
<laughs> yeah, he he's smart enough to ask, okay, you're going to have to sneak you in. Can you hide your pregnant belly? If you have to hide it, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, as we will see. They join the other orc tribes where Gul'dan, a powerful orc warlock, is gathering a huge warband. His face just makes me feel like I'm back in Transformers. <laughs> it was kind of Transformers-esque. Wasn't it? Yeah. Gul'dan outlines his plan pretty well for us and all the other orcs. He's going to open a portal, which is conveniently shaped like a huge stone door, by sacrificing a bunch of blue people they have in cages who are not orcs. That will open the portal enough that they can send through a small raiding party that will gather enough enemies, aka humans, from the other side that he can build a new portal to bring through the entire horde. I would argue that if this is a temporary portal, you don't need as many embellishments on it as it had. Mm. But there's so many orcs that they needed something to do, maybe. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Duratan and Draka are part of the raiding party for some reason. And of course, Draka immediately goes into labor. The baby is born within like a minute of labor beginning because the script was written by men. Oh my goodness. And it's super gross that Gul'dan is standing there. <laughs> And he's just, what, like, she, he, she's facing away from him, and he's standing there staring at her push this kid out and being really gross. Yeah. He's like, yes, push, good. <laughs> and he's like, this is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. But the baby's born in distress, so Golden uses the life of a nearby deer, because the, the fell magic, which he uses, which is the evil green magic... Um, is based on, like, draining the life of other creatures to use that as the, the fuel for the magic. So he uses the life of a nearby deer to save the baby orc, which seems weird for a ruthless warmonger to care about this baby surviving, because now they're going to have to take care of the baby in their raiding party. Yeah, but he he kind of saves it by being like, one more for the horde. Man, if I was a ruthless warmonger and somebody, some pregnant woman and her husband had hidden the fact that she was about to give birth when we were doing important things, I'd be like, nope, you guys are being sentenced to death. Even if we keep the baby around, you guys are being sentenced to death for your gross incompetence. Yeah, to be fair, all the other orcs were like, seriously? Yeah. You did this? I thought it was weird that Gul'dan was cool with it. Yeah, I thought they were going to kill her. Yeah. But then Gul'dan walks up and he's like, this is great. Yeah. Anyway, everyone celebrates when Gul'dan like lifts the baby and, and then the title comes up, Warcraft. We cut to a place called Ironforge, which is built into some snowy mountains. And a dwarf shows a human named Lothar, who's going to be like the military commander of the humans. The latest innovation, the boomstick. Oh my gosh. But they're interrupted by a message saying that one of Lothar's garrisons being invaded. Okay, I just want to say that when the dwarf sh is going to show him the boomstick, he just raises it into a long hallway filled with dwarves. And the only reason he doesn't fire it is because he sees the messenger running up. He could have easily killed any number of dwarves. That was not a firing range. <laughs> yeah. Also, it was the shortest, dumbest visit to Q we've ever seen in a movie. Yes, because we immediately cut to a place called Stormwind and never go back to Ironforge ever again. But we need to know about boomsticks, Rose. We need to know that guns are so new that they're still calling them boomsticks or that this universe is way dumber. <laughs> and that's just what they're going to call them forever. I hope so. 
And also, we need to know that dwarves exist, I guess. I, and their heads scene. are a problem, too, <laughs> yeah. can I just say. They're, like, flattened. It's like an orc sat on dwarves' heads. So Lothar arrives at Stormwind, which has been, like, attacked and a bunch of men got killed. And so he's being updated by his men, who say the only one who may have seen something is a trespassing mage who found who was found searching the bodies of the dead. When Lothar questions the mage, who looks like a dumber Josh Hartnett who's still in high school. He did look pretty young. Yeah. The mage, who's named Cadgar, says he has to finish inspecting one of the bodies. So Lothar says, sure, why not? Then when Cadgar finds something on the body, he says someone else named the Guardian should be the one to explain. So instead of trying to get any more information out of him, Lothar says, okay, and takes him to see the king, who's the only one that can summon the Guardian. Also, why would you say the Guardian should be the one to explain this when apparently nobody's seen the Guardian for like six years? Well, yeah, and I'd be like, okay, you can explain it first, and then I'll get confirmation from the Guardian. Yeah, like, can you explain I it mean, a little bit? Like, is this a big problem? He's never met this mash before, and yet he not only lets him continue investigating, but also withhold information for him, and then he brings him to the king. I know. How did you get to be a military commander, buddy? Luck. He got really lucky that nobody's ever we got really before. Yeah, he got really lucky that he's the king's brother-in-law. Yeah. When Cadgar sees the king, he starts explaining, completely unprompted, that the fell is involved because he found traces of the magic in one of the corpses. Mm-hmm. Why did you need to see the king to explain that? You said the guardian had to explain, but now that you see someone else, you feel prompted to explain. You could have explained that to the commander. We yeah. could have saved one side trip in here. No, he had to get to the king. I feel like now's a good time for me to talk about my actual biggest problem with this movie. Okay. The wigs. Rose, <laughs> the wigs. They were the worst wigs I've ever seen in a movie, and I saw previews for Fantastic Four. <laughs> These were so terrible. I mean, literally every man had a long (laughs) wig, and they, I guess they were supposed to look dirty or whatever. Everybody's hair looked terrible. Um, Especially the Kings. I don't, the Kings was the worst of all. Well, it was that mid length hair that never looks good on any man. That also didn't really move. (laughs) No, it didn't. And the King is played by Dominic Cooper, who in this movie looks incredibly dumb. Every time we see him, you're like, what is happening? And he looks a little bit like a super dumb Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Because his eyebrows are crazy. And for some reason, he has a different accent than any of his subjects. This is, yeah, this really is like a bring your own accent movie. Not not that bad, but like it really kind of is just a bring your own accent. Yeah, it is. And because also his wife has a different accent mm-hmm. and then her brother can, <laughs> can I point out who is white and she's not <laughs> no. so the actress who plays the queen is in fact her father is Ethiopian her mother's Irish she's half black mm-hmm. and her brother is Australian 100% white super pale yeah so Cadgar is explaining about the fell and he also gives us some backstory about himself, just because, you know, <laughs> he's a magic school dropout from the Kieran tour. I mean, this is that thing where I'm like, you're just saying words to me. Like, I don't know yeah. what it means to say that you left. I don't know what the Kieran tour is. I don't know what it means when you left the Kieran tour. We find a little bit more about them. But, like, generally Not speaking, really. I was like, this has to be something that people who played Warcraft know. Because yeah. 
And I don't mind everything not being explained. It is a little bit weird that he takes this moment to introduce himself to the crowd when nobody bothered to ask him these questions before. Yeah, I want to see a freeze frame. Like, you might be wondering <laughs> how I got here. Yeah. So he's a magic school dropout, but when he sensed evil nearby, magic he just... school dropout. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't just ignore it. Yeah. It's evil. Yeah. So then the king summons the guardian, which I thought was going to be some crazy, awesome, magical thing. But instead, it's just sending a ring with Lothar and Cadgar to go get him on a griffin. Yeah, uh, I really thought when he said only the king can summon the guardian, I didn't think it was like the king just had to pass a note. <laughs> yeah, to him. I thought it was like there's this magical portal in the king's yeah, palace the king. that only he can activate. No, he just had to send other people to He just do had it. to sing a, send a ring along. Yeah. The other weird thing about the guardian is that he is the guardian of the entire realm, and yet for some reason it seems like he only answers to the king of Stormwind. Yeah, that, that is was weird. never clarified. Mm-mm. But there's a bunch of other countries there and yet they they really act like only Stormwind has a relationship with the guardian and only the Stormwind king can summon him. Yeah. That could just be a lack of clarity on the part of the writing. In this movie? Not <laughs> no, likely, right? We cut back to the progress of the orcs, just to remind everyone that the orcs are here. By the way, when they said raiding party, I thought it meant, like, we're just going to hop over for a second, grab everyone we can find, and then bring the horde over. That's not the case. This no. raiding party has set up camp. It is a multi-day adventure. Oh, yeah, they're never going back, is the thing. It's not a raiding party. It's a raiding party in that they moved somewhere else and are now going to raid from there permanently. Yeah, and also, they're going to take their dear sweet time about it. Like, you know, oh, yeah. they're making some progress, but they're not really... They're not worried. Yeah, they're not rushing. I guess they're going to have to gather a whole lot of people to, you know, to sacrifice to the portal. So Durotan does not appreciate the ruthlessness of the other orc tribes who are doing things like killing defenseless women and children. Because once again, modern orc, heart of gold. Mm-hmm. The orc tribes as a whole are led by Blackhand, who's the chief of the Black Rocks. So that's confusing. Yeah, that's Clancy Brown. Although and he was like the head it. war chief of the orcs. Oh, I know. It doesn't really, they do so much distortion, distortion on the voice. It doesn't the sound like. That you can't tell. Yeah. Which was sad. It was like, well, why was Clancy Brown? I'm glad always to see that he's getting paid to do things, but yeah. like, I would like the benefit of it. I know. And they, they also did the, the motion capture too. So I don't know. Maybe oh, they thought yeah. he was the only one that could correctly act out black hands. A, a movement with hair dye it looks like an eyeliner yeah but the other orcs don't appreciate how easy their enemy is to defeat no challenge at all now that we've been reminded that the orcs are here and raiding people and also that duratan once again heart of gold we go back to the humans where lothar and cadgar arrive at the guardian stronghold the guardian by the way his name is medivh I'm just going to call him the Guardian the whole time because it's one less name I have to remember. Yeah, the Guardian is played by Ben Foster. Who Who was engaged to Robin Wright. There you go. I would never have recognized him in this movie because in this movie, all I can see when I look at him is his wig. His terrible wig. Well, it's because of the wig. All I can see is the guidance counselor from Freaks and Geeks. (laughs) So true. Lothar and Cadgar arrive at the Guardian stronghold. Lothar proves to be surprisingly out of shape for a military man, but eventually he climbs all the stairs to the top of the tower and tells the Guardian that he's been summoned. Cadgar is left on his own in the library. A shadowy figure leads him to a book that makes his magic tattoo light up, so he steals it. Like it's a metal detector. 
Um, he literally metal detects this thing. He's like, whoa, not over here. Oh, over here, it's lighting up. He was also told not to touch anything, and then the next time we see him, he's grabbing books all over the place like he owns them. Yeah. Also, if you're worried about this mash touching thing, why would you leave him alone in the library? Take him up the stairs with you. What does it matter to you? Uh, only the one guy can see the guard. There's a lot of rules, Rose. <laughs> I don't know all of them. It was probably that Lothar was ashamed of how bad climbing the stairs was going to be for him. <laughs> he had to rest on the way up and didn't want anyone to see. The guardian, once he gets downstairs, is not happy to see Cadgar, who I guess is from a rival school of magic. He, like, flips out when he sees him and is talking about, like, a, be, him being a spy for, like, the Kieran tour. Yeah, unclear. But the guardian... Over the course of the movie, it didn't feel like they were rival schools of magic or that because the Guardian is like a creature on his own, you know? Yeah. It, it was really unclear. I didn't understand I don't what know. the animosity yeah. was for. But I will say that Ben Foster's wig was the nail in the coffin <laughs> of wig problems. And it, that was when I was like, okay, they didn't even try. This is only going to get worse. <laughs> and it did. Yeah. The Guardian forgives Cadgar immediately, though, once he finds out about the fell. Again, all he had to do was mention the fell to him. The Guardian teleports the three of them back to the palace. Why couldn't this have been how they got there in the first place? By the way, here's something that's really important to know about this realm, is everything is super close to each other, so you can easily travel back and forth to any location, and it takes basically no time at all. Yeah, that's true. This is a really important fact to know, because it's going to be recurring. At the palace, there's a war council where they discuss what's attacking them. Giants riding wolves, a.k.a. orcs, who may or may not be attacking other kingdoms. That's all the information we need from that war council. So now they're on the move to protect the realm. I feel like you could have gotten that info with like some weak binoculars. <laughs> this is the whole, like, a conversation can't last more than 30 seconds. Yeah. So all we do is exchange information that... I, as an audience member, already know and don't care about and add nothing else and then don't explain other things that seem very confusing to me. I gotta see Dominic Cooper's dumb face <laughs> react to that info. He That's what's seem... gonna make the movie for me. My problem with Dominic Cooper's character is that the king never felt like he was a strong king. No, he didn't. He never really did stuff that mattered. And the one thing he did at the end of the movie made no sense. Yeah, he mostly just walked around being like, oh, my people, my people. Like, why won't people help Stormwind? Like, oh, it was what do very you think we should do? Yeah. What do you think? Where's the Guardian? Yeah, it didn't give the impression Someone that I think... my wig. <laughs> it didn't give the impression that I think they wanted him to give. Yeah, I don't think so. He seemed like an ineffective ruler. He seemed like a nice guy, but he seemed like an ineffective ruler. You could have said that about anybody acting in this movie, though. I don't think they gave the impression that they wanted him <laughs> to give. Paula Patton, that's her entire act in this movie. Yeah, it wasn't great. A small band of soldiers, a very small band of soldiers, goes out, and they're, led, they're accompanied by Lothar, Cadgar, and the Guardian. Giants on huge wolves. Let's get our 10 best guys together. Also, this mage, who once again, we know basically nothing about. Yeah. And that small band of warriors is very soon ambushed by orcs, which includes Duratan and Blackhand and, you know, another orc who we'll need to know the name of, Doomhammer. Oh my gosh. We'll talk about him later. The Guardian takes his dear sweet time to do anything while most of the rest of the soldiers are slaughtered, but then he finally casts a spell that attacks the fell in the orcs, which kills almost all of them. So 
there are some orcs that are green and those orcs have had the fell put into them by Gul'dan to make mm-hmm. them stronger. That doesn't include Durotan or any of the Frostwolf clan. Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't include Blackhand. And the explanation for this is given in a deleted scene I watched in an effort to try and understand more about what was happening in this movie. <laughs> that actually was explained. Please tell me. I don't know. So that's when the other orcs talk about, like, don't you want the fell? Because it makes you stronger. And Durotan's like, oh, why doesn't Blackhand have it? And Blackhand's like, because warriors are made, not created. I don't need any stupid magic. He doesn't have a great rebuttal, though, for when the other guy's like, but you can always be better. Anyway. <laughs> the important thing to know, though, is Blackhand, Durotan, and any of the other Frostwolf orcs that happened to be there, they all survived. But they, they do run away. Mm-hmm. Because Although, now they're heavily outnumbered, and also they don't really know what just happened. I'll point out that a lot of them are on horses that can't possibly be supporting their weight in any real way. Oh, I know. His hand is as big as the horse's head. I didn't think about that. How is this even working? I feel really bad for the horse. I know. Especially because I'm like, they were being carried around by huge wolves. I don't know how that's comparable with horses. They I should. know. I also felt like, Orcs probably wear giant horned helmets to hide their tiny heads. (laughs) So the orcs run off, and Lothar goes after them to capture a prisoner. Durotan, while he's running away, frees a female half-orc named Garona. That's the one who's played by Paula Patton. That is with them. uh, Who's, like, she's on a chain. She's also live-action. I don't know how you arrive at the decision to make one part even part orc live action yeah because she because she's a half orc she basically looks just like a human with green skin and tiny little tusks yeah so Duratan frees the the half orc uh but she immediately runs into cadgar who captures her let me just say (laughs) that if a a puny wizard can catch you you're not doing a great job oh i know little miss we're so tough i'm a klingon she is taken back to the palace for questioning because these people have nothing but time on their hands so they can easily travel between where they've been and the palace multiple times through the course of this movie with no loss of people on their their end. <laughs> you know, the raiding party just waits for this to happen, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Grona tells the humans that the orc world is dying. She's very free with information. The orc world is so confident that the orcs are going to win that she's like, I don't care. You guys can know this. Yeah, I guess so. She says the orc world's dying, so they're going to take this one. She's not very inclined to help them, but then the king offers her freedom in exchange. Also, she supposedly learned her perfect English just from, like, overhearing some humans. Which is insane, but maybe explains why she sounds like a high schooler delivering some lines that they're just reading now for the first time. She was sounded so bored the entire time. This is that thing of where people think that you can sound super tough and confident by taking all of the emotion out of your voice and just delivering things really flat and with no, like, facial mm-hmm. expressions. And that never works, guys. Yeah. And she's been being a translator for, I guess maybe she just picks up languages real well, because she picked up the blue people's language, too. She's yeah. just a translator for Gul'dan, essentially. I don't yeah. know why they brought her on this little excursion. <laughs> that is strange. Where they wouldn't need her translation skills at all, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm not an orc leader, so I don't know. 
Back with the Horde, Gul'dan's not too thrilled with the orcs who both lost the fight with the humans and then ran away. <laughs> he sentences Blackhand, who's his head war chief, to death, which is in accordance with their customs. So Blackhand sticks his hand into the fell and it slowly consumes his body. But Durotan's gentle, enlightened soul can't take this. So he cuts it off. Classic Durotan. Yeah. He cuts off his arm before it can spread. Saying that the, it's not their fault. The humans use the fell against them. Mm, how can that be? The fell's only good, I thought. Well, also, aren't you brave warriors? Shouldn't you be able to also fight magic? I don't know. This I didn't I didn't agree with Durotan's reasoning. But he doesn't believe him that the fell was used against them. But then Durotan says the fell is born out of death, so it must have a price. And then Gul'dan, like, that's the end of the scene. So I guess Gul'dan just let them all go to go about their business. Blackhand is going to be alive yeah, I, after this. And I, Durotan is never punished. So Gul'dan's just like, great, gross insubordination. <laughs> it's fine. Continue about your lives. I mean, speaking of Star Trek, are, are we in Starfleet? Am I right? Nothing ever happens? Oh, man. Our friendship has just been strengthened by this insubordination. Um Really, though, I think that probably he was just happy to have an excuse not to lose some really good warriors. So the next thing we see, Durotan is with his family in the t- in their tent, holding his ridiculously small child <laughs> and waxing poetic about their hopeless situation. Yeah. Then we cut back to the palace where the guardian questions Garona. He's asking, like, who showed you the gate or who showed you the portal? And he's, you know, she told him it was a demon and she never saw the demon but he had a voice like fire and whatever and then the queen comes in and then so the guardian just disappears yeah he's like well that that was useless yeah i answered two questions and i didn't get anything what do you want me to do no one should know i'm here (laughs) the queen shows her kindness which confuses garona and I don't know, wins her over a little bit, I guess. I was unclear as to whether it was the queen's kindness or the king's offer of immunity that got her to agree to help the humans. So the next day, Lothar, Cadgar, and Garona set off to scout the orc camp. Unclear about what they're doing here. I guess just scouting oh, yeah. it out. What were they doing? I don't know. I didn't think about it until just this second. Yeah, and now I realize that I don't know what the game plan was. Oh, there, there are so many scenes like this in the movie where I bet if you really thought about it, you're like, why is this happening? Right. It's just like we need action. So yeah. they leave. And then around the campfire, which lets us know, by the way, that it takes over a day to get to the orc camp. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Just something to keep in mind when we talk about them frequently returning to the <laughs> palace. It's taking over a day. Yeah. So... That night around the campfire, Garona and Cadgar share their sad, sad past because that makes us care about them. Yeah. Garona always felt left out because she's a half work and her mother died, was killed after birthing her. Because of birthing her. Yeah. And her name means curse in Orc. Right. And she was kept alive for some reason by Gul'dan. I don't remember if and we're we, told why. No, we are not. We never went into it. Yeah. And Cadgar was given to the Kirin Tor when he was, like, six because it was very honorable for family to give their child to the Kirin Tor. So less honorable for them to run away. That's what he says. Yeah. <laughs> so good job. You really stuck it to your parents. <laughs> yeah. You showed them. You ruined their lives. Good job. Yeah. Back at the Horde, Durotan chats with his friend, who is his second in command, and his name is Doomhammer. This is 
the only other orc's name we'll learn. So after this, we're done learning names. Gotcha. I've never, well, maybe not done. I never learned this orc's name. So he chats with his friend, Durotan chats with his friend, about how he thinks Gul'dan's magic killed their land and is now killing this one. He's supported by incredibly obvious visual evidence. Literally half the camp is super green and awesome looking, and the other half of the camp is, like, withered and dying. (laughs) It's so obvious that something's happening there that's not natural. It's, like, side by side. But what? We can't figure it out. I know, and apparently within their own lifetime is when their Earth started dying to the point where they could no longer live there. So it happened super quickly. Right. And it happened after Gul'dan rose to power. I mean, the evidence is mind-boggling. at best. I don't <laughs> see any correlation. Doomhammer doesn't really know what to do with this information because <laughs> they can't beat Gul'dan. But Durotan says that with the human's help, they would be powerful enough to beat him. Which doesn't seem like anything they've actually seen evidence of. No, it doesn't at all. I guess maybe the magic the Guardian threw at them makes sense. I guess so. Yeah, that makes sense. But just the general humans they were fighting. Were easily crushed. Yeah. (laughs) Thankfully for Durotan, Garona leads the humans right to where he can find them. (laughs) He sneaks up on them and tells them he wants to meet with the king. Meanwhile, we see the king is trying to get help from the other kingdoms, but nobody wants to... They have spent forever, I feel like, talking about what a peaceful, awesome land this was. Yeah. And now all the kingdoms are just bickering like crazy. I'm like, how was this a peaceful land? I know. This doesn't seem that peaceful. You made it seem like peace was well established, and now it's seeming right. like it was we all hanging just, by a thread. Right. We all just get along. That is not the case. No. Uh, none of them want to help Stormwind, even though any anything that can beat, like, anything where it's a small band that can beat the entire kingdom of Stormwind is gonna just roll over you. Oh, yeah. So I don't know what the logic here is, especially because it's, like, from the dwarves, all they were asking for was arms. They weren't even asking for men. I know, and that seemed like a labor dispute more than anything else. The dwarves were like, you ask too much of us already. Like, <laughs> rah, rah, rah. I know, I'm like, this feels like something that can be uh, talked about after the orcs are all killed. disagree that's when see that's when they talk you down on the pay because everything's already done also side note lothar's son was injured in battle i don't know if we see this lothar has a son the son keeps coming up this is one character too many i mean one of many characters that is too many for this movie but he does become plot relevant later on so just so we know lothar has a son i mean kind of but it wouldn't really have made a difference if his son hadn't even existed oh i would have loved it if his son had never even existed this is something that they gave to the movie in order to make lothar seem like a fleshed out character yeah but the problem is they spent all of this time trying to flesh out all of their characters and so none of them were yeah exactly and for for what this could have added to lothar's character and what he figured out later and his determination it didn't matter no he could easily have done all those things without this and we wouldn't have had to sit through an embarrassing level of emotional manipulation yeah so garona goes back to the palace you know because remember it's super convenient to do that And tells the king that Duratan wants to meet with him. Lothar suspects it's a trap, but the king thinks it's their only choice for some reason. The king thinks a lot of dumb things that are never explained and probably not true. Yes. As we will see at the end of the movie. These are the decisions, kind of like taking 
uh, Khadgar to see the king instantly without knowing anything about him. These are the decisions that got made just because we needed the plot to move forward. Oh, yeah. And again, because the scene was creeping up on two minutes and we can't have that. <laughs> Everybody was about to leave the theater. Yeah. Also, this is a scene where the queen gives Corona a dagger saying that it's that they, as the non-aggressive people for some reason, need to earn Garona's trust, even though they're offering her a place in their society and ignoring the fact that her people have ruthlessly killed many of the innocents in their kingdom. Yeah, and you've known her for, like, two days. Right, she's like, oh, clans must earn trust. And I thought she was going to say, so you need to earn our trust to be part of our clan. Nope. (laughs) So Lothar and the king, they send for the guardian, who's in... Cadgar's room for some reason being super snippy about the fact that Cadgar's been doing independent research. He is so mad about it. He is so emotional and temperamental and insecure. It's insane. Yeah. He burns all of the copied drawings and takes back the stolen book. It doesn't make him look great. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Then Cadgar finds Lothar and shows him the one remaining drawing that was hidden, thankfully, in his robe. It proves that the orcs were summoned from the human side of the portal, which plants seeds of doubt about the Guardian. (gasps) Gasp. I know! (laughs) At the orc-human summit, which is taking place in a canyon. Which tactically seems weird, but okay. Many people comment on that. Yeah. Many people are like, this is a great place for an ambush. People on both sides say it. So, I mean. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's how obvious it is. They, but they don't have a toll tag, and other, there was no one, <laughs> like, everyone else they had to take the tollway. Yep. Durotan tells the humans what Golden's plan is. And the king, by the way, showed up for this, like, in person. It wasn't just he authorized someone else to talk about this. He shows up in person. Yeah, that was bizarre. The king shows up to a lot of things in person that I don't think he should have. <laughs> So he tells them what Gul'dan's plan is, and they come to a deal where Durotan will basically help bring down the orcs in exchange for the humans' help. But then they're attacked by some orcs who were literally lying in wait, buried under, like, the yes, gravel on the canyon. just under the dirt. And yeah. I'm not exactly sure if they were tipped off by Durotan's number two doom hammer yeah, or I not. I this tell. was very unclear to me. Same. Blackhand is the one that leads the orcs that that ambushed them but things that happen later seem like it must have been doomhammer that betrayed them but we never see any evidence of that when we're in the canyon that's true and so it could have been that he just became a traitor later on maybe so so why would you make this so unclear (laughs) because they had to get it down to two hours uh i know it's more dramatic for the orcs to successively bust out of the ground but tactically it's really stupid Also, why would you wait until after the orcs were done talking to the humans? Yeah, I know. Now they have a plan. Yeah. Especially since the orcs got there before the humans did. So why not fight off the orcs and then attack the humans? Like, exactly. Or kill kill the orcs on their way up to this place. Maybe they needed evidence that he was going to go through with it. I wasn't just luring the human king into an ambush of their own. I doubt that's how orcs work. I don't know. Either way. I'm just trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here. You say what you will about orcs, but they have a sense of drama, and you apparently do not. They do. 
That's true. Also, I would love to know how early they got there to have to, like, <laughs> bury themselves. And then, like, somebody had to go by and be like, oh, you're sticking out. Hold on. Let yeah, me no, even s- out the gravel. Somebody for sure had to bury everybody else. And, like, at, at a certain point, there's just one guy left, and he had to leave. Well, Black Hand was up at the top of the cavern, so he probably was the one that did that. Which is insane that the the highest up guy, like, had to bury the last guy. Yeah. Oh, goodness. For some reason, Durotan's plan leaves the humans to fight most of the orcs off. Yeah. They, they like, really hightail it out of there, and the humans don't seem resentful of that at all. So wow. the humans are fighting off the remaining orcs, and they're not doing too well until the Guardian finally summons the magic to drive the orcs back. Which he does by creating a wall of lightning separating the humans from the orcs. But some of the humans, including Lothar's son, are caught on the orc side of the lightning wall. And he dies right in front of Lothar's eyes, valiantly giving it up for the realm. And callously killed by Blackhand. Yes. I would really like for that to become a phrase, like wrong side of the tracks, the orc side of the lightning wall. (laughs) No time to linger over that, though, because the Guardian's not doing too well after casting that spell. Oh, yeah, he's walking around like an old man. When he, like, I thought he passed out. I think he might have. Yeah. So Garona and Cadgar get him back to his tower to bathe in his magic pool. The the good magic is blue. Mm-hmm. So this blue pool of magic. And Cadgar then leaves to get help from the Curan Tour, his old magic group, order, school. I don't know. Because the guardian he saw is infected with foul magic. His eyes flashed green. Mm-hmm. Corona watches over the Guardian, giving them a chance to talk over how neither one of them ever felt like they fit in. And they really just want love, you know. Little guys. Yeah. So then the Guardian casts a spell to send Corona to Lothar, who she's got a crush on. Oh my gosh. Luckily, Lothar, who's super drunk and grieving for his son, is into it. Okay, what a weird reaction to have (laughs) to that. She feels guilty because she is worried that Lothar is going to hate her because she pushed for this meeting to happen and then his son was killed. And so she goes there and then he's like, oh, my son's dead. And then she starts making out with him. What a weird reaction to have. The Curantor are super unhappy to see Cadgar when he shows up. Now, I just need to take a second to say that he manages to get into the main room that the Kieran Tour hang out in mm-hmm. with absolutely no problem. He literally just strolls in. No one tries to stop him. Also, whoever the Kieran, the head of the Kieran Tour, like the council or whatever it is, I guess they just hang out in that room all the time. I guess so. Because they just happen to be there and he strolls up and they're like, oh, I can't believe you're here. They see him from a distance and they're like, get out, you're a shame. Also, so I'm like, okay. So, the Kieran Tour know every single person in their order by name, so Mm -hmm. maybe it's pretty small. I guess. The council is always in session, (laughs) and it is incredibly easy to just stroll into their meeting room. So easy, and see the head guy right there. Oh, yeah. What if he was an assassin? That's never been tried before, so (laughs) we don't know. It's because nobody realizes that you can just walk in. Yeah. So, they want him to get out to leave, but then he mentions Alodie... And the dark portal in one breath. And they become very concerned. The head guy takes... And they say, how do you know about that? Yeah. The, Ked, the head guy takes Cadgar to see the Alodie, which they think was the protector of the realm before the Guardian. It's like this huge, like, black, like, reddish pillar. Yeah. That it flashes a door at Cadgar, so he goes into it. They're like, he's never done that before. So <laughs> he goes into it, and he talks to the creature within, which is like... 
I guess the soul of like some old witch or I guess I don't, I don't know man I know it's Glenn Close yeah uh, but he talks to the creature within, which tells him that the Guardian has been consumed by the fell. Alody tells him he must defeat the Guardian by trusting in his friends. Friendship is magic. <laughs> Along with the dubious wisdom, from light comes darkness, from darkness light. Meanwhile, at the Guardian's Tower, he infects his magic pool with fell magic, green evil fell magic, and admits to his friend that the fell twisted him into letting the orcs into the world, and possibly a bunch of other things that he doesn't remember. Yeah. He then becomes completely possessed by the fell and sucks the life from his friend, his loyal companion. Aww. He teleports to the human war council, who once again is having a dumb pointless meeting, and claims to have met with Durotan, who told him the Orc Rebellion's going great. <laughs> Lothar's having none of it, though. He says correctly that the Guardian has been unreliable and unstable and also missing for six years. The Guardian says that Lothar is angry just because Callan, of Callan's death, which was caused by Callan trying to win Lothar's approval. So basically implying that it's all Lothar's fault, that his son was killed. Lothar, understandably, is very annoyed by this and attacks the Guardian. And the king has him taken to a cell to calm down. And by taking to a cell to calm down, he's there overnight. He's there for a long time. It's not just to calm yeah. down. It's like, no, you're actually under arrest. Yeah, you're in you prison with us. Yeah. Because they leave. Like, that warband leaves without him. And he's the head of the army. Yeah. So, like, no, they're like, we don't need your help anymore. Yeah. Garona visits Lothar in jail and tells him that the king and guardian are going to fight the horde. And Lothar tells her not to trust the guardian. Also, he doesn't want her to go with them because he doesn't want her to get hurt. Which really, is so no weird. one believes this relationship is going anywhere. No. I don't believe for a second that they love each other. No, and that's also a weird thing to say to an orc. Yeah, and it's a weird thing for him to say. I, it it just doesn't seem like it would line up with either of their values. Yeah. Back in the orc camp, Blackhand threatens to kill Durotan as a traitor because of the meeting they had. In mm-hmm. the canyon with the humans. <laughs> because of his traitoring? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of this was intercut with yeah. all the human stuff that happened, so it's, you know. Yeah. This is how we knew that the Guardian didn't meet with Durotan and all that. So Durotan tries to convince Blackhand that Gul'dan's the real traitor, but to no avail. Doomhammer makes a deal with Gul'dan to become the new head of the Frostwolves, and this is where it's not super clear if... He had already betrayed them, and that's why Gul'dan's chatting with him? Or if this is his betrayal now? Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) But then Gul'dan sends orcs to destroy the Frostwolves anyway, because he changed his mind, I guess. I don't know. Doomhammer makes sure that Draka, Durotan's mate, escapes with the baby. Then he frees Durotan from his cage telling him that he finally sees that Goldan needs to be stopped, even if it means siding with the humans. Too little, too late, buddy. This is unhelpful. Yeah. Good job. Durotan immediately forgives him, though, because yeah. he's enlightened. Exactly. There's no consequences. Right. And vows to show the others what Goldan has become. This takes some planning, I guess, because yes. the next thing we see in the orc world is Draka the next day. Putting her son in the river Moses style, just before being killed by an orc who oh was hunting her down. Oh my gosh, little reed basket and everything. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. So then at the camp, like, I don't know what Duratan was doing up until this point. It certainly wasn't <laughs> helping his family. 
Um, or looking for them. Yeah. Because back at camp, Durotan, still still daylight here, challenges Gul'dan to the orc equivalent of a duel. When Durotan seems to be winning, though, Gul'dan cheats by killing him with magic. This loses him the respect of the other orcs. Mm-hmm. But they're too scared to go against him. Gul'dan uses his magic to make Black Hand incredibly powerful. I guess. We don't really see, like, we're told that he's incredibly powerful, but like, and I guess maybe they show some of that in battle, but he doesn't seem, like, invincible. It doesn't really seem that yeah, different you don't, than his normal self. No, you really don't see a lot happen yeah. there. And I think it's because, how are you going to impress anybody when you've already got Gul'dan? Well, right? that and, like, the orcs are already so much stronger than humans. Yeah, it's hard for there to be any scale of majesty there. Yeah. The king and his soldiers leave to go fight, and then after they leave, Cadgar arrives back to the city. He frees Lothar and enlists him in killing the Guardian. They go to the Guardian's tower and find him looking a bit shriveled. <laughs> and, uh, he begins the incantation to open the portal, which I thought Gul'dan was going to do, but it's the Guardian, but somehow Gul'dan is still crucial to this process. I guess. How are you timing this? Because he was the... well. So Gul'dan, so this is why he cheats with magic. I mean, he was already kind of cheating with magic, but he was being more crafty about it. But then, like, he sees the portal start to open, and mm-hmm. he, like, freaks out. And yeah, then he just, like, starts, I don't have time for this. Yeah, so then he just kills him with magic and, like, moves on. Because he sees the portal start to open. But at the same time, Gul'dan, it seems like, was going to be the one that opened the portal once they had all these human sacrifices. That's right, yeah. So I don't understand. Because if he's opening it, why do they need the... Right, but they somehow do, so I guess Gul'dan and the Guardian both have to be doing this. Again, unclear. Also, I don't know how the Guardian knows that Gul'dan is ready to go. Yeah, I know. that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know how they're timing this. Yeah. Anyway, the golem that we'd previously seen the Guardian building comes to life conveniently, and Lothar fights it. Okay, so here's what I wrote down, right? Because this is what should have happened. I wrote down that Lothar fights the Guardian while Cadgar tries to stop the Guardian. Theoretically, that is what should have happened. That's yeah. not what actually happens. Lothar says, go stop the Guardian, while he fights the Golem, which he kind of succeeds oh in doing goodness. by cutting its head off. He gets it to, like, just, like, start walking into walls and stuff. I watched like, it's this the last night, and I golem. already forgot about the Golem. It's so dumb. Why is there a Golem? Uh, yeah, because we just need to add more elements in. Because that was what this movie was missing, was more stuff. Yeah. Um, so he defeats the golem, and then Cadgar has done nothing, absolutely nothing, <laughs> to try and stop the guardian. So then Cadgar's like, oh, I need you to distract the guardian. <laughs> so Lothar has to go try and distract the guardian. Like, this is the Lothar show, man. Why did you even show up? I know. What are you even doing? So he gets thrown around by the guardian a whole bunch. He's trying to, like, bring back the... The guy who he knew, and that doesn't work, and then he starts transforming into, like, full-on demon. Oh, yeah, he just turns into a demon. Right, and so then Cadgar casts some sort of spell that winds up, like, throwing the golem on top of the guardian, and that's what finally stops him. I mean, or at least subdues him somewhat. Yeah. 
So it's also important to know while this is happening that also the human army is fighting the orc army. This is all... So while this is happening, it's very, very important that it happened quickly, mm-hmm. theoretically, because we don't actually care about any of these people. But <laughs> if we did, it would be super important that it happened quickly because the humans are fighting the orcs and, you know, like, losing. So the golem is on top of the guardian in the pool, which is green. Again, green yeah, magic, evil green magic. Magic. And Cadgar also gets thrown into the pool somehow by all this and so he gets infected by fell magic he turns green and like his eyes go all green and there's like green shooting out of i don't know it's like beauty and the beast style it felt like anyway so he's infected by fell magic which he uses to drain the guardian of power but then he remembers the whole from light comes darkness from darkness light and he is able to with i guess the power of friendship and this wisdom to transform the fell magic into regular blue magic. Okay, I didn't understand that at all. He does it just by saying it, like, in a yeah. revelatory tone. <laughs> oh! From darkness comes light. From light, darkness. Oh! All the magic's blue now. Yay! It works, we though. We so, Yeah. Lothar leaves to join the battle. Thankfully, his griffin is flying by underneath, yeah. so oh, he yeah. just leaves to join For the battle. For a dramatic exit. Yeah. And with his last bit of power restored, the Guardian changes the portal from the Orc homeworld to Stormwind so that the humans can send their prisoners back. And Mm -hmm. for some reason, this seems to, like, shift the tide of the battles where the humans are winning, even though it's, like, a one-way portal, so it's not like they're getting new soldiers in. Mm -mm. The Guardian tells Khadgar that he succumbed to the Fell because of loneliness before he dies. Ew. I know. When the portal closes and the tide turns back in favor of the orcs. So now we get to a real problematic moment. This is so dumb. Seeing that his death is inevitable, the king convinces Garona to kill him in order to bring peace between humans and orcs. He says you have to, it's the only way, which is just super giving up. Also, I don't know Okay, I kind of know what his thought process is because right. he knows that she will get great honor by killing him, which for one thing means that he's trusting orcs to respect that more than they hate half orcs, mm-hmm. which is not a guarantee. No, and it doesn't make her the leader or anything. Well, and it's not going to endear orcs to the humans. So it's not going to prevent an eternal war between the orcs and the humans. Which we already know it doesn't. Right. So I don't know what... It it just makes him look dumb. Yeah. And it actually severs the one connection that people had to orcs and knowing that orcs could be good. Yeah. And I guess what it is is it will stop that battle, maybe. But like... I don't even really understand how it does that. It's very confusing, and stuff just happens because the plot needs it to happen. It doesn't seem like it does do that. Well, they the humans all retreat, and the orcs don't go after them. Yeah, but I thought that was because of Lothar. Lothar just shows up kind of toward the end, and he shows up to rescue the king's body. Well, but he wins the fight with that orc. But that's already... Okay, so... Here's what happens now, right? Garona kills the king by killing him with the dagger that the queen had given her. And like a dummy, she leaves the dagger in him for Lothar to find. And this makes her the new leader of the orcs, which I doubt for reasons already mentioned. And then Lothar sweeps in on his griffin to rescue the king's body. He sees the dagger 
in his neck, which tells him that it was Garona who killed the king, which would be more impactful if I believed that he actually cared about Garona at all. But then Lothar, he tries to get the king's body back on the griffin so they can leave, but he's captured by orcs and he passes out. Mm. So oh, he's right, he on the ground, yeah. now surrounded by a circle of orcs so that he and Blackhand can duel. But he's been knocked out, so it's not happening during the battle. The humans have already left. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then he fights Blackhand, which, oh my gosh, by the time this happens, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm, this movie needs to be wrapping up. Yeah. Thankfully, it actually is wrapping up. But once again, another thing that we didn't need to happen was just adding stuff to this movie. Especially, you don't say like, oh no, you have to do this thing and it's so sad, but it's so noble and it's going to save things. Like, that's the last thing. That should be the last thing that happens. Not like, oh, and now more stuff is happening. Especially because he doesn't really confront Garona. No. In person. Like, him being in the orc camp doesn't give him the opportunity to confront Garona. No. Garona. He fights the duel with Blackhand, who he defeats almost instantly by getting him in the bits and pieces with his sword. Like, (laughs) the orcs don't see this as a low blow. They're fine with it. Yeah. And then Gul'dan demands that the other orcs kill him, but we already know what they think of cheating, and he Mm -hmm. won that duel fair and square, arguably. (laughs) And this is the one instance we see of Garona having any power. Yeah, so Garona's like, uh, you, he won the duel, you have to let him go. And all the other orcs are, like, you know, hitting their chests at him, like, in honor of him as he's, like, strolling out of the camp. He is allowed to leave with the king's body, which Gul'dan doesn't like. Gul'dan is not killed in this movie, by the way. No, which is crazy. I mean, they, like, hardcore set this up for a sequel. Oh, they, they wanted really a sequel. Wanted it, which I would, so honestly, bad. I would love to see a sequel to this movie. <laughs> like, it was terrible, but, like, I would be really curious to know what they would do with a sequel. I would be curious about that also. Yeah. Later, Lothar shows Cadgar Garona's dagger that proves she killed the king. Cadgar doesn't believe Garona would do something like that. He's got faith in her. She would never. Based on nothing. I met her once. She's an orc. Why do you think she wouldn't do that? Yeah. But Lothar's more cynical, which I would be too in this situation. Yeah. At the king's funeral, which is why it was such a dumb idea of the king, because he should have known how humans would think about this. Yeah, absolutely. Because even if Garona now tries to make peace between the humans and the orcs, the humans won't have it. Because guess what? Lothar is made king of the new human, elven, dwarven, whatever alliance against the orcs. Yeah. And Lothar's never going to forgive Garona. I know. Good job. You should have had a bunch of witnesses there when you told her to do that. Yeah. And that happens at the king's funeral. That's sad, I guess. I don't know. I didn't care about the king, so I don't care about the funeral. One last wig I have to look at. (laughs) This would have been a cool sequel setup because now Corona and Lothar, like, Lothar hates Corona, but they would theoretically having to be, like, face each other in battle. Like, I thought it was a pretty good sequel setup, and it was a terrible movie, and I'm sure the sequel would have been equally as terrible, but it would have At been least. entertaining. Yeah. Hopefully less confusing. Couldn't be more confusing. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, let's not forget about Durotan's baby, though, that oh. was in the river. He's found by humans as Durotan's ghost gives us some closing narration. <laughs> You will travel far, my little Goa. My world may be lost, but this is your world now. Take what you need from it. Make a home for the orcs and let no one stand in your way. My lord, 
You should see this. You are the son of Duratan and Draka. An unbroken line of chieftains. And our people need a leader now, more than ever. And then we get nine minutes of credits. It's, yeah, I mean, thank goodness, because it's less movie, but... I know, because I kept being like, oh, we have ten minutes left? And it was like, oh, no, wait, those are, like, all credits. Yeah, it was bad. I don't know how they managed to make the movies so confusing. Yeah, no, uh, there were, like, four main characters. And two villains. Yeah, it was too much for a two-hour movie. Yeah. But there wasn't enough plot for you to expand it into, like, a trilogy. Mm Mm-mm. How did it do? So, the box office totals on this movie are are interesting. This is something where I don't actually blame the movie for losing money, right? So, the the budget for the movie was $160 million. Mm Mm-hmm. The box office for the movie was $433 million, and it still lost money. How? Probably because of things like advertising or because there are parts of the budget that weren't in the actual budget. They weren't, yeah. you know, listed in the actual budget. But it would have needed about $15 million more million to break even. That's insane. But here's why I don't blame the movie. I think the movie did incredibly well, especially for how terrible it was. Agreed. But the reason I really don't blame the movie is because it's still, worldwide, the highest grossing film based on a video game of all time. Wow. So that means that they should have spent less on the movie. Yeah, that's that's on them. Yeah. The, the one that previously held that spot was Prince of Persia. Oh, okay, yeah. It's insane to have it, but, at, like, to have that be your goal that you have to get to yeah. break even. I mean, that's a lot. Uh, yeah. For any movie. No, totally. So that's crazy. So I really feel like that was on them. Yeah. The other interesting thing about the box office on this movie is that, so total, it made $433 million. Mm-hmm. How much do you think it made in the U.S.? A hundred million. It made $47 million in the U.S. <laughs> oh, no. Wow, nobody wanted to see it here. Yeah. Which is accurate. I don't remember anyone seeing it. No, I don't either. I watched it on DVD. Yeah, I barely knew that it came out. So, next up, thankfully, we're going to have a less confusing movie. I mean, I would never have thought that I would be thankful to get back to the Twilight series. (laughs) But this movie was just so much. Breaking Dawn Part 1. Yes, because that book was so complicated with so much good stuff happening in it. Oh, yeah. We had to break it into two parts. There's a lot there. I mean, I feel like we could have gone more than that, but we managed to squeeze it into two movies. So that's what's next on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.